Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, hopefully I'm, uh, I'm wide for sound. Hopefully, you are. Uh, but I'm going to put the, can I put this on here so everybody can see it a bit better? Because this yeah, is what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Does that look good there? Yeah. Yes, that looks good, doesn't it? Yeah. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> so... This morning, I've got the uh, honour and privilege of uh, sharing with you. I wasn't here last week. I was uh, uh, visiting my uh, uh, grandchildren in Hampshire. <laughs> Barracken already. I'm not even started. Thank you, Margaret. I'll get my own back. Um, so, uh, I know you all had a great time here. We did. You really had a great time. And a great dad joke, that, Josh. And, if you've not heard that, if you don't know what that means, then get onto the podcast and listen to it. It was uh, really good. And Josh preaching on know God. And what a great word it was. And uh, to know God, to really, really get to know God. What an incredible, exhilarating journey. And this morning, I have the honour and privilege of building on the foundation that Christian uh, set uh, about the foundation. And Josh laid over the last two weeks, laying good foundation stones. We know it is so important, don't we? You know, in the building trade, we know you can't build anything that's going to last any time without good foundation stones. But also in our own personal lives, you know, if you take the time and effort to lay foundation stones of truth, honesty, integrity, generosity, based on the word of God, then when life storms come, and I can guarantee that they will come, because that's what life's about, then you can stand firm no matter how battered you may feel at the time. So at Arena, we believe that a good foundation is to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, so you can make a difference in your life and to those lives around you. So this morning, I'm going to share about find freedom. And often we use the word freedom, uh, but do we really understand its true meaning? This morning I'm going to share a verse of scripture and we're going to explore what it, mean, what it says and what it means and I'm going to share a favourite Bible story of mine. Many years, ago, many years ago, many years ago, I remember going to see J. John at Nottingham. J. John is a great preacher. And he shared a piece of scripture and he said, and I, whenever I share, I always think about the YBH. So understand what the word says, but the YBH. Yes, I understand but how? Why be it? Yes, but how? And so hopefully this morning, we're going to go into the scripture, and I hope you'll understand the scripture, and I just want to try, if I can, to the best of my ability to give you the yes, but how? How do we apply the scripture in our lives? So I'm going to talk about a favorite Bible passage of mine, about a man who, who finds freedom after living in years of darkness, oppression, persecution, poverty, suddenly meets Jesus. And because of this man's faith, this man's mindset, and this man's action, Jesus changes his life in an instant. God can change your circumstances in an instant. Like that. But sometimes, God doesn't work in our time space. Because we want instant stuff. We want instant coffee. We want instant mashed potato. We, 
we want instant stuff. But God sometimes just wants us just to learn to be a little bit patient. But he will change you. So just before I get into the word, did you hear about the story of the, um, of the three men during the French Revolution? And they'd been captured and they were facing the guillotine. One was a priest, one was a thief, and one was just a humble carpenter. And all three of them had to give an, an account as to why they shouldn't face the guillotine. And the priest says, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a simple man, a, a man of simple faith. I, I try and help people. I, I shouldn't be executed. I should be set free. And the thief said, well... I only stole one loaf of bread because I hadn't eaten for three days and I was really, really hungry. I never hurt anybody. And really, I'm a good person, but I should be set free. And the carpenter said, well, I should be set free because I, I, I try and mend things. I fix things. I help people. But all three of them were sentenced to the guillotine. And the executioner said to the priest, well, because you said you're a man of God, I, I'll let you decide whether you go head down, facing into the basket, or head up. So he said, I'll go head up facing towards God, my maker. So the guillotine, the executioner held the guillotine up, let it go, and it comes sliding down and stops an inch above the priest Adam's apple. And the executioner said, that must be God. Get up, free, you are, go, go, free, you're free. So the priest gets up and go. The thief comes next and says, would you like to face downwards? Yes, I'll face upwards like the priest. So he faces upwards, the guillotine is raised, it comes sliding down and stops an inch above his Adam's apple. And the executor said, it must be an act of God again. You're free, you're free. So he gets up and goes. The carpenter, seeing what's happened to the first two, said, I'll face upwards, please. So the guillotine, he raised it up. And all of a sudden the carpenter says, wait, wait, wait. I can see the problem. There's a little nail sticking out here. If you pull it out, it'll work now. Now the problem is, the moral behind that story is that sometimes you think you may be quite able and capable of fixing the problem yourself. But sometimes it's best to just let God do what God does best. And what God does best is he brings freedom. So if you want a title for this morning, it would be, I can. You can. We can. Find freedom from anything and everything through Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, in the book of Luke, four, uh, chapter 4, verse 16, it says this. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. So he opened up, and he began to read this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the captives, for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and he said this. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I just want to tell you, that scripture from Isaiah was fulfilled that day some 2,000 years ago, and it is still fulfilled today. 
There is no expiry date on God's word. There's no expiry date on his promises. God is all about freedom. It's part of his character. It's in his DNA. It's what he does and who he is. He does not want anyone to be restrained, contained, chained, imprisoned, stifled, limited, confined, restricted, enclosed, held back in any way from the freedom he wants to give you in your health, your strength, your vigour, your well-being, your wealth, your prosperity, your affluence, your intellect, your wisdom, your personality, your nature and your soul. God is for you, not against you. You know, if you go on to Bible Gateway, I use Bible Gateway a lot. It's a, it's a app you can get on your phone or on the, YouTube, uh, on the internet. If you go on Bible Gateway and just put in, in the NRV Bible and just put in the word free, 190 results. 190 references to the word free. So number one. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go through all 190. But I just want you to know that this is what God is about. So let's turn to the word of God. And hopefully I'll put, uh, Morgan will put on the screen uh, a verse so we can follow it. Galatians 5, 1. It is for freedom. It is for freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Let's look at this more deeply then. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So Christ has set us free for freedom. Okay. So first of all, what has Christ set us free from? Well, Christ has set us free from the curse of death and sin that befell us in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve first disobeyed God, encouraged by Satan, the devil, chose to eat the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And because of those actions... God had to make the first blood sacrifice of an animal in order to cover up the shame and nakedness of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden. As a result, we now live in a broken world. And it will be broken until Jesus returns again. Where all of our actions have a consequence. Now the devil, the father of lies, wants to kill and destroy God's creation. And will try his utmost to prevent you from living in freedom. Satan wants you living in fear. That's where he really wants you. He wants you living in condemnation. He wants to restrain you and contain you. He does not want you to experience God's true freedom. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5.8, Be alert of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So Jesus came to set us free so that now we can know and experience freedom. Jesus, when he was beaten, when he was whipped, when he was mocked, when he had his beard pulled from his face, when he was nailed to the cross, he did that willingly for you and for me so that through all that pain and suffering, that Jesus experienced, we know that he understands what we feel like when we go through hard times. When we go through the hurt and heartache, God knows. He understands. We don't have a God that sits on a fluffy cloud where everything is all nice and rosy and has never suffered through Jesus' life experience, through Jesus' death and resurrection. God knows what we have to live through at times. 
And so through Jesus' sacrifice for me and you, we get to know freedom from the curse of this broken world. That we may no longer be slaves to sin. Bound up by wrong thinking. Imprisoned by our wrongdoing. That addiction to alcohol, drugs, gambling, pornography, sex. Whatever habit or addiction takes you further away from God. Those chains that hold on your life can be broken and can be set free. This morning. Right here. Right now. It does not matter what your parents or grandparents or great-grandparents did in their lives. Whatever negative things they did or said over you. Whatever curses they lived under. Whatever sin and wrongdoing they were involved in. You do not have to live bound up, chained and held back because of what they did or didn't do. Jesus has broken those chains. Their actions no longer have any, uh, any consequence or hold on you. He has broken the generational curses and wrongdoing just because they did whatever doesn't mean you have to follow their example. Sadly, as a police officer, I saw many times, generation after generation after generation, the same family, just embroiled, just constrained, just committing the same offences over and over again. It can end now. That could stop. Just because your grandparents or your parents did something doesn't mean that you have to. We, Jesus died so that we can find freedom for anything and everything. So I'm just going to go back to Galatians 5.1, part 2. Stand firm then. Stand firm then. Stand firm. They are positive doing words. They are words of instruction. It means that we need to take responsibility for our actions. Just stand firm. We have a part to play. Stand. You first need to rise up. If you want God to bless you and want to experience freedom, you need to move towards God. If you stay in bed all day because you don't feel like getting up, sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes that duvet just has a pull on me. If I'm honest. Normally on a Sunday morning. No, uh, uh, but we have to decide. We have to choose to get up, to rise up, to stand up. If you stay in bed all day uh, and you're lazy and can't be bothered, how do you expect God to bless you? How can God bless laziness? If you think that the, the world owes you something and you don't have to work for things, sorry, but you're wrong. You may feel hard done to. You may not have had the best start in life. You may not feel loved. You might feel life is not fair. Well, life isn't fair. Life isn't fair. We live in a broken world. And as I said, it won't be, won't be mended until Jesus returns. So we need to stand firm and move towards God. And I can promise that as soon as you start doing things for him, your labour will not be in vain. God will bless you if you go to him with blistered fingers. Whatever you put your work to, God will bless you. It may not be immediate, but I know that if you put yourself in a position where you can say, Father, I may not even like the work I'm doing at the moment, but I'm going to do it to the best of my ability to honour you, then you are positioning yourself where God can pour out his blessings on you. We cannot get to heaven by works. We understand that. It's not by works we get to heaven. It's by grace. But... If we can position ourselves so that as we offer our labour as a sacrifice to God, we're in a position where we can pour out his blessings and we can walk into his true freedom. 
If you are grumpy with everyone and have no encouraging words for anyone, how can God bless you? If you are dishonest, a liar, exaggerated, bully people, how can God bless you? But if you speak words of kindness, encouragement, if you are generous with your time and money, then you are positioning yourself for God to pour out his blessings on you. Liz and uh, I, small group we're running, we're doing a study on Haggai. It's in the Old Testament. He's just a prophet. It's only two chapters long. I haven't obviously got time to read all the two chapters but it's had a real profound effect on me. And it's just worth reading. When you get back, just take the time just to read it. And in a nutshell, the Israelites had been taken captive by, by the Babylonians. Then after about 70 years or so, had been released when the Persian Empire took over. And the Israelites had returned to Jerusalem to build up the city. So they had been set free. So they had gone to Jerusalem to start to build up the city. And they had started... To, to lay the foundation stones of the temple for God. Now, Haggai comes along, it's 16 years or so after they had been set free. So 16 years had gone by, the temple still hadn't been built. See, these Israelites had become discouraged. They'd been distracted by concent- concentrating on building their own houses, putting their own needs first. They were building their lovely houses and their businesses, they've become discouraged because the older generation, those over 70 when they were first taken captive, can remember the splendor of the first temple. And they're saying, oh, I don't know whether we can build something as, as nice as that. So they became discouraged. They, they became dissatisfied with the way they were living. And God, through Haggai, the prophet, questions their heart attitude and their motives, basically asking, why do you concentrate on your homes when God's temple remains unbuilt? So let's look at this verse, chapters uh, 1, verse 3 and 6. It says this. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. It is time, is it time for you, yourselves, to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty said. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much. In other words, they are working. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in. Ooh, who's been there? Wow. Too much month at the end of the money. So it became apparent that although these people are living ordinary lives in apparent freedom, because they'd been released from captivity... God is removing his blessing from them because of their selfishness. It is a really good thought-provoking study. And although apparently free, they do not put themselves in a position where God can bless them because of their selfishness in not considering building the temple of God first. How many times have we heard this? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. We need to understand that through Jesus we can find freedom. But we need to stand firm. To stand firm in our faith, in our gratitude to God. So that we don't become distracted by doing our own selfish things. We don't become discouraged or dissatisfied. That we stand firm in his word. Not just reading it, but living it out. So that we might know true freedom. The blessing of God. Oh, I want to live in the blessing of God. 
Everyone seeks freedom, especially in the West. Freedom is the highest virtue. It is sought after by all who who consider themselves to be oppressed. But freedom in Christ is not the same as political or economic freedom. In fact, some of the most oppressed people in history have had complete freedom in Christ. The Bible tells us that, spiritually speaking, no one is free. Romans 6, Paul explains that we are all slaves. We are either slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. I know which one I want to be in. I want to be a slave of righteousness. Oh, Christ, Jesus, come this morning, help us, take us back into that slavery of righteousness. It seems like a contradiction. The only true freedom in Christ comes to those who are his slaves. Oh, I willingly want to be a slave of Christ. Because I know that under his leadership, I will find freedom from anything and everything through Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul writes a, a letter to the Ephesians, tells them to put off the old self with its deceit and corruption and put on the new self with its righteousness. Put off lying and put on truthfulness. Put off stealing and put on usefulness and work. Put off bitterness, rage and anger. Put on kindness, compassion, forgiveness and generosity. When I first became a Christian some 30 odd years ago, I made a decision to stop going out to nightclubs with the lads from work, after work. After a few drinks, the music, the atmosphere, it started to pull me back to my old self, my old, lying, deceitful, unfaithful self. So I made a choice. I stood firm. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to put myself in a position where I know I am likely to think wrong thoughts and do wrong things. I'm choosing to stand firm and put myself in a position where God can bless me. Some of you may have heard this story because I told it when it happened some eight or nine years ago. Liz and I went to the cinema uh, at Mansfield and it was quite busy and there was a parking space. So I pulled in the parking space and it was a really windy day. And Liz opened the door and the wind just blew the door out of, a, out of a grasp and it cannoned into the car next to us. So I wasn't too pleased. So I get out of the car, walks round, looked at my car and there's not a scratch on my door. Obviously the edge of my car, uh, car door had hit. I looked at their car. Oh my... It was caved in. It wasn't just a little scratch. It wasn't a little dent. From the windowsill to the sill, it was caved in. I mean, it was like a V. It was... Uh, have you just done that? She said, well, the wind blew me. I can't believe... My first thought was, has anybody seen it? <laughs> I'll be honest. I looked round. I thought, if I get in now and drive off and park somewhere else, nobody will know. But I put off my old, deceitful, lying self. And I put on a... Righteousness. So I got a, a note, a paper, and I wrote down, I'm so sorry, the, uh, damaged your car, the wind blew out to uh, my wife's hand, I've put the wife down because it wasn't my fault. Um, <laughs> here's my name, here's my number, give me a call and I will fix it for you. The following day, uh, I get a phone call from this guy. And he said, I am so, so thankful for your phoning. Most people would have just driven off. And uh, I just, thank you. I said, well, look, I don't want to go through my insurance. I'll lose me no claims. I'll get it fixed for you. So he said, oh, that's great. That's brilliant. Thank you. I can't, I can't thank you enough. I said, okay. 
So I had heard about Davenport's uh, bodyworks on Debdale Lane. I've driven past it many times. So it was my day off. I thought I'd pop in just to see. And I'd taken photographs of the car. So I just thought I'd go and see. And I walked into Davenport's, never been in there before, and walked up to the reception, and there's Brian sat there. Brian, who I knew from St. Peter's Church. And I went, hey, I'm Brian. That's a coincidence seeing you here. What a coincidence. And he says, hey, Paul, how are you? I says, oh, not too good. I says, uh, this is what's happened to me. I said, I didn't know you worked here. He says, well, I, don't, I, I only work part-time. should be my day off, but I'm covering for somebody who's on leave. That's a coincidence. So I said, well, this is what's happened. Photograph of the car. I said, I don't want to claim on uh, my insurance. I don't want to lose my claims. I want to pay cash. How much is it like to be? <gasps> he says, that will not pull out. It is caved in. You'll have to have a new door skin on it and respray. It's going to cost roughly 1800 2000 <laughs> 1800 2000 He said, wait. He said, let me just go and see the manager. So he went into the back, came back out. I said, the manager's uh, absolutely blown away, actually, that you've admitted doing this and you want to pay. So uh, he said, we'll, we'll do it for you. £260. From £1,800, £2,000, £260. Praise God. Now, I believe that was a blessing from God. This guy, who I knew, what a coincidence, had to be in that place when his, his, the person who was normally there, oh, I won't know, was off. What a co- and then God. Now, I didn't do anything that day to warrant that blessing But throughout my life, I have tried to put on the cloak of righteousness so that God can begin to bless me when the time is right. And so that's how I've started and me and Liz have started to live our lives, to stand firm, do the right thing. And in freedom, God blesses you. Romans 6.4 says, The Christian life is one of death to self and rising to walk in newness of life. Uh, uh, So we don't need to be discouraged distracted or dissatisfied. And that is why we encourage people to go through the waters of baptism. It is a public showing, a display, not just for our friends and family, but also to the spiritual powers that will try to keep us captive. When we go through the waters of baptism, we are declaring the old self has died. The new self is risen. And then we strengthen our nature by continually reading and feeding on the word of God and through prayer. And that way we obtain the power through the Holy Spirit, that we need to escape the desire to return to the old self, to the old life. Then we will realize that our new status as slaves to Christ is the only true freedom. Right, I've got four minutes left. Let me just very, very quickly go through this. I want to just share an example. I'm going to be very quick about this. An example. It's in Mark chapter 10, I think it is. Yeah, Mark chapter 10. And it's about blind Bartimaeus. You may have heard the story. Some of you may have heard the story. Here's blind Bartimaeus uh, at Jericho. And he's got his cloak on. (laughs) He's got his cloak on and he's begging at the side of the road. And Jesus is on his way from Jericho to Jerusalem. This is the last journey that Jesus is likely to make. He's going from Jericho to Jerusalem to face the cross. So he must have had lots of thoughts on his mind of what was happening, what was going on. But here... Blind Bartimaeus, we don't know whether he was blind from birth, but he stood, he sat, begging, and he hears that Jesus, so he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around him say, "Ah, shut up, shut up, be quiet. But he shouts out even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And something that he said stopped Jesus in his tracks. Because he was saying, 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, is declaring that Jesus was the Messiah, the anointed one, the saviour, the person who can forgive sins, the person who can set you free. So Jesus stops. Now, I don't know if you know about Jewish culture uh, and, and tradition, but in those days they believed quite wrongly, I think, they are wrong, that people who were disabled, it was because of sin in either their lives or their parents' lives or their grandparents' lives. That's why they were disabled. So Bartimaeus recognises that Jesus, the Messiah, the one who can forgive sins, is there. So he takes his chance and he calls him out. And the people around him say, well, be quiet. Can I just tell you, there will be people around you that will tell you to be quiet when you start talking about Jesus, when you start talking about God, when you start talking about church. And you have to be lovingly respectful to these people, but don't let them put you off from receiving your blessing. So, blind Bartimaeus, Jesus stops, stands still and says, come to me. And all of a sudden, these people are telling him to be quiet. All of a sudden, oh, oh, look, Jesus is telling you, oh, come on, rise up, come on, Jesus. And the first thing that blind Bartimaeus does, he does this, and it's quite significant. He takes off the cloak. Before standing up, he takes off the cloak. Now, why does he do that? Again, some Bible scholars believe that in, 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 in that era, the government issued people with cloaks, a special cloak, as, as it were, as a license to beg. I don't know whether that's right, but I've, I've read that. But I believe it's something more significant. I believe that blind Bartimaeus, this morning, was making a choice. He was still blind when he threw the cloak off. He was still blind when he stood up. He was still blind when he walked towards Jesus. He didn't say, I'm blind, Jesus. You come to me. Oh, I'm helpless. You come to me, Jesus. But he stood firm. He stood up and he moved towards Jesus. And as he moved towards Jesus, he was making that statement, I'm never going to be the same again. Jesus may never heal me, but I'm not going to be the same again. I'm not going back to that. This is a choice he's making, a heart attitude he's making. I'm going to be different from this day on. And he goes towards Jesus and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? What a question. What a question. It was obvious, wasn't it? But Jesus was checking out his heart attitude. But Jesus is asking that same question this morning to each and every one of us. What do you want me to do for you? I've been leading small groups for many years and Sometimes we ask that question and some people say, I don't really know. I never thought about it before. I don't really know. It's a serious question. And you need to go away. And if you're sat here this morning and think, well, I don't really know, then you need to consider that question. What do you want Jesus to do for you? How can he bless you if you don't even know what you want blessing for? How can he help you if you don't even know where you need help? So just go away. Just consider that question this morning. What can I do for you? And of course, blind Bartimaeus says, I need to see. And he said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, he gets his sight. And immediately, he doesn't go his way. Immediately, he follows Jesus. Oh, he follows Jesus towards Jerusalem. Sometimes, you know, We've got to understand that we need, just need to follow Jesus, to stand firm in our faith and don't do what I've seen many Christians do. 
go back to what you felt comfortable with. Because some people go, yeah, I'll follow you, Jesus, but I'll just take that with me just in case. Well, it's, the, oh, it's familiar. I get comfortable with it. So I'll, I'll, I'll just take, I'm not going to wear it. I'm not going to put it on, but I'll take yeah. it with me. Just, no, leave it. Yeah. It's gone. It's dead, it's buried, it's done with, it's dealt with. From now on, you can move into freedom. Don't go back and visit the old, but walk on towards the new. Don't keep repeating the same mistakes. Stand firm and follow Jesus along the road. Trust in the Messiah. Put the old self off. Receive his forgiveness. Put on the new self of righteousness. Trust in his word and walk into freedom. Wow, time has gone. So final thoughts. From cover to cover. From cover to cover. God's word points to freedom in Christ. And God doesn't leave us wondering how to grab hold of freedom. He doesn't leave us with the YBH. Yes, but how? It starts with acknowledging our brokenness and admitting we are slaves to sin. And it ends with choosing Jesus and following him daily. Only he can break the bonds of slavery of our past. As we now become slaves of righteousness through Jesus Christ, we can find freedom from anything and everything through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.